0: Welcome to episode 866 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things I Am. Rightio, team Welcome along to episode 866 of Iron Talk with Coach John Newsome and Bevan James Oz. How you going mate?
1: Pretty good, pretty good. You got casual clothes on today? Casual got clothes. Got your casual clothes, Tuesday. It's supposed to be raining, so I thought, I committed early, I said to my daughter I'll drop you off at school, she normally walks to school, and and then I was like, oh it's not raining. Gonna have to drive anyway. And Your daughter's the high school now, eh? Right? Yep. Yeah, First year, eh? First year. Quite a long walk to school every day, like twenty-five minutes. So how does she do it? Did she go through over the river? No. This is great. Great strong. I'm just, just curious. This uh, is follow the river. Well, there's all roadworks everywhere at the moment. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. There's
0: no real shortcut, is there? There's not.
1: No, first year high school. Loving it. Absolutely loving Cheers? it. She Yeah. Oh, that's good. Um Iron Talk is proudly brought to you by our fantastic patrons. Okay.
0: Ian Cashingan Banks. Anna, the theropod Demopoulos. Oh, that's a good name. Uh, we've got Alex Master Paul. Uh, thank you to all our patrons. Now this week's show, we've got some news. We've got bugger news, if we're going to be honest. We've got Hot Topic of the Week, which was everyone was confused about. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that was a disaster. Uh, we've got Nutrition. We've just got, nutri- well, got Nutrition. We're going d- to talk about the Glycemic Index. Just a little bit about the Glycemic Index. Pro of the Week. Have we got a high five? We have got a high five. didn't have one when I looked earlier. Wang
0: of the Week and questions and answers. So basically not much news happening, but we did a few races. Obviously, John and I were away in the studios last week, so we were pre-recorded. So that meant that we had a couple of races happen over the last couple of weeks. I was surprised by the quality of the field at Clash Miami.
1: Yes, Clash Miami, that was the weekend before last. Lucy Byram took us out in front of SIF. Um, Bendix Madsen and Pamela Oliveira and then on the boys' side Jason West took it out by 36 seconds round down J- uh, Thomas Bishop and Daniel Beckingard in third so yeah I think um, they have this You know you had, you had Sam Long yep. David McNamee Sam Appleton well, these days you've got the Sof score, which is a strength of field. Um, and so, on the women's side, it was seventy-two point four nine, and then on the boys' side, though, strong field, as Bevan said, eighty-four point nine. So, um, then you can rather than just just plucking it out of our ass, saying that's a weak field, that's strong field, the stats are doing the talking, and uh, yeah, that is a good strong field.
0: Fifty thousand dollars US prize money. Mm-hmm. So for for kind of a, for a half. What was the distance? Obviously, wasn't half.
1: It's. Off the top of my head, it's around about a one-mile-ish swim, yep. uh, and then it's about 60 kilometres on the bike, and then about 15, on the 15 16 on the run. Okay. So you could argue whether or not this should be included in points? the rankings and the points and stuff, because, you know, Jason West, it's only taking him two hours, 35, you know, that's only... Forty-five minutes longer than Olympic distance race, yeah. so you could could argue that. But the athletes that are racing are the guys that are the in this particular event are long course or mid mid course athletes. So you didn't really have any of the sort of world triathlon uh, athletes racing along. We also had
0: seventy point three Lanzarote, and again, strength of field wasn't that strong in the females, probably all the males either. Uh, Anne Hag took it out in a time of four sixteen over India Lee, and then
1: uh, as they? Just that, uh, Lane? Neschlag uh, took out the boys' race. Yep. Now, what's interesting here is Anne Haug is an absolute beast on the run. Her time, she did 1 hour 16.27, uh, which is 10 minutes, faster, ten minutes faster. You look at the boys, and yeah, sure, it's not the, the strongest field, but she only got outrun by two of the guys, uh, so Justus, Justus uh, Nishnag and Matthias Margrier was uh, second and the rest of the boys were 116 or so, oh, sorry there's one other one in there, one, 115, uh, there's actually another one at 115 who's down 11th but just putting in the context, she's basically running the same speed as the top guys with no pressure because she is... So far in front, she won the event by 12 minutes. Yeah, she was uh, first off the bike anyway. Yeah. And then she runs
0: 10 minutes faster than any of the female. What a Oh, nine beast. and a half. Nine minutes faster than any of the other female athletes. What on, a on a half.
1: Yeah. Impressive.
0: That's incredible. Okay, we also had another race happen. That was Challenge Porto Varas. Uh, and it was uh, another 70.3 distance race. Pretty weak field in the females. Men's average field. So what happens in the... Well, what?
1: the thing where we need to point out here is we've got athletes doubling up here. So the winner, Tom Bishop, he raced the previous weekend at uh, Clash Miami, finishing in second place, getting run down just at the end. And Lucy Byram also did... Uh, she did... Which one did she did? She did Clash Miami as well. And... She won the race, so she did two weeks, two weekends, two wins. Where's Varas? That is somewhere in South America,ish. Okay, because the prize money wasn't
0: huge. It's was only nineteen thousand euros. No, but I
1: guess if you're in Miami, yeah, you're in the I same neck yeah. Of the Woods. Oh, that's
0: why I couldn't figure it out because Miami was fifty thousand. I was like, why would you? Why would you go somewhere for nineteen thousand? Which yeah. is basically what nine and a half per six. Yeah. So it's not a huge amount of money, but if it's just up the road,
1: yeah. Uh So um, this is massive speculation. yeah But Thomas Bishop and Lucy Byron both won the race and both racing the weekend before. They're both palms, Wondering if they're a couple? Don't know. They haven't done any social that media stuff. <laughs> that <laughs> is massive <laughs> That is not research at all. Yeah, so, Allegedly. <laughs> so anyway, that's impressive to race two weekends in a row and a, two wins for Lucy Byron and a win in a second place for Tom Bishop. Now he's an athlete we should keep an eye on because he's a former short course um, dude and he was good, you know, solid, um, but he's really laying the, the smackdown on the bike at these last two events, and he can run. Now, he did fade here... Um, he ran a one fifteen, and you had Matt Hansen, you know, mowing him down, running a one eleven, but he was still five minutes behind. So maybe Tom Bishop was uh, took the foot off the accelerator a little bit, but he definitely can swim. You know, he's gonna for, for for long course stuff. He's usually gonna come out at the front of the main pack, and he's clearly showing some some good bike legs. So uh, I would say keep an eye out for him for 70.3s and PTO races. Random question: Olympics this- is next year. Mm-hmm. We going to France. Yeah, we're not going. But love well, to go. no, I'm going to be there actually. Are you really? Well, because I'm doing the Alpe d'Huez camp. Only a few slots left. If people want to do Alpe d'Huez, the timing of it is like impeccable. Well, you got to go, don't you? Well, I'm tempted, very no, strongly don't be tempted. tempted. <laughs> you have got to do it because uh, once at, in a life. At this stage, the camp finishes on Friday, the like 24th of yep. September, and then the Olympics start like on Saturday. John said <laughs> how can you so, not go? Yeah, so is well, Belinda going on the camp? The the, the planning is underway. Believe it, Believe you me. The planning is underway. Tickets? Uh, I haven't got a the ticket. There's no tickets. Well, actually, no. I haven't even looked into tickets. But uh,
0: there'll be some events like cycle racing and mm. triathlon and stuff. But I wonder. Uh, oh, you got to mm. have you been to an Olympics?
1: No, no. Because I go to Brisbane. We're definitely going to Brisbane. You going to Brisbane? Mm, I've already got things, uh, yeah, got the wheels moving on that oh, one. have you, what, yeah. what, what have you got Look, moving? ACOM. A few people have offered ACOM, oh. so that's the main thing. Yeah. Might have to fly to Perth and then transit across because uh, the cost of airfares will probably be like $5 million. But
0: uh, My yeah. mate Duncan went to Sydney and he said, Do you want to go? I'm, I'm such a tight ass. Mm. And sometimes I am life, my tight ass has really destroyed me mm. and I should have gone to that, mm. you know, and he went to that like 100 metre final and... Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to Brisbane. Um, okay, random. Back to my random question. Of the Olympics athletes, at the end of the Olympics next year, who will go long course, and who do you actually think could actually oh, have?
1: Well you just want Flora Duffy. That's all I care about. Is her smoking it at long course? Uh, but what about,
0: what else? Because because sometimes it's, sometimes it's a young Fredino who's who's hmm. been a very successful athlete, and sometimes it's someone who's not that
1: but he wasn't that successful. Well, like he, I know he won an Olympic medal, a yeah. gold medal, but outside of that, he was competitive, but he was not a dominator. Uh, yeah. Is there
0: any names, you know, if we're going to look to the future, mm. who will give up after this Olympics, go long course, and we'll go cheapest creepers?
1: Um, a few of the Frenchies are pretty handy, and they've showed that over 70.3. So Vincent Louis has shown reasonable form over 70.3. Do you think he'll
0: go long? Uh, I would
1: hope so. What's his strength? Uh, he's just all round good. Really? Yeah, he's a, he's a best swimmer, just well, just about the best swimmer at short course, um, reasonable on the bike and, and really good runner. So, him and then along the other one who won the world champs last year, um, Leo Begier is a beast on the bike. Uh, so, he would and he's quite a quite metronomic on the run. So, I'd imagine he'd go really well. And he has what do you won. mean he's got a cadence? Uh, he's just um, looks really efficient the way okay. that he runs. So, not necessarily the most natural runner like when you look at an Alex G or yep. a Hayden Wilde but just looks like someone who could just keep that pace going for a long time. Um, so that's it on the boys' side. i say a couple of those Frenchies maybe. Um, the female side, I just want to see Flora Duffy. That's all I want. That's all I want for the rest of my triathlon career. Is, really? It's Just to see her transfer what she can do at short course. And if she can do it at long course, now she's she a little bit older for it. a short course, isn't she? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Okay. But still, got the goods. Okay, so we
0: have Challenge right coming up and I've changed some of the... Uh, the rules around the race. And one of them is that's really interesting, because a few years ago, I think when we went there, wasn't it?
1: Oh, so it's been there for a long time. Yeah, the well, one th- kilometre penalty rule.
0: Yeah, so if you, you've got a penalty, you have to add an extra kilometre. A drafting you, penalty. Which is... Punishment. Murray, Murray, we have got
1: a <laughs> <laughs> reminded Murray of that on, uh, on the weekend when I was riding with him. So the deal was... And
0: I'm chasing after him because what happened was Murray's Murray's on the course. I see him drop all his nutrition. Yeah. So then I pick it up and
1: I'm on my because I'm trying
0: to... I don't know where he was, so I'm trying to run him. He got, he must have gone down there. I couldn't find him.
1: So God knows where he went. So what happens, you get a penalty on the bike and road. what previously happened. And I'm pretty sure you actually have to serve the penalty plus... You've got to run one kilometre, so you know a little bit more than half a mile on the run leg as well. Which in
0: some ways is a bit unfair. It's I loved, very I, loved harsh. I loved it because it was I loved it because it was like that's the ultimate punishment. Like, mm. that, that makes you not want to draft. So it was kind of like you know it was kind of like tough on crime if you get what yeah, I mean. Yeah. But but if you're a fast athlete, it's four minutes. If you're a slow athlete, it's 10 minutes. Yes. So there true. was a bit of unfairness in that aspect.
1: Uh, but it was a very strong motivator for me not to draft <laughs> because, yeah, it's... And have they, they said why...
0: Sorry? have they said why...
1: Look, they're just trying to... You, when you go to races, you want everything to be as it was at a previous race and you want, you want to be consistency. There's nothing worse than going to a race and you're going... What the hell is a drafting role, Is it twelve meters? Is it ten meters? Is it twenty meters? Yep. So they're they're really looking for some consistency there. Um, and the other things that they are doing is really trying to engage with the pros and making sure that the race is as fair as possible. So you hear a lot of noise from the pros about there being unfair advantages on the bike with uh, there being a lot of motos out there, you know, bikes out yep. there, media, and you're just saying, they're saying, this is ridiculous. They're really, the front guys in the group are getting a massive uh, pull off them. Oh, and, and
0: remember in the 80s, and you saw the photos of like Kona, mm. and it literally looked like you had a truck. <laughs> mm. It wasn't that bad, but basically it was like a truck in front of the lead cyclist. Yeah. You're basically drafting, weren't you?
1: Yeah, and so what they're saying is uh, they're going to have no external media other than um, the live stream on the course. Uh, they're going to have clear and unambiguous communication between the pro athletes and the referees. They're going to have a briefing. What does that mean? Well, they basically want to get all the pros together. They're going to get the referees together, and they're going to say, this is how we're policing it. We don't want any ambiguity here. Yep. This is what happened. Okay, yeah, yep. going if you're going through in the all twirl, drafting you're, you're, you're rules. yep. yep, yep this is really clear so then after the race you can't go oh that was a bit of a harsh call it's like we told you that's what we're doing this is this is what's happening so they're really trying to make it as crystal clear for the pros uh and for all the age groupers as well with the 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 removal of the penalty kilometer it's like you go to a race the same same rules you have at every, every other race so i like it in that regard but that rule was pretty unique and pretty cool, and it really was a strong deterrent. Um, but it did have a little bit of unfairness, as you said to it. And if you, in some circumstances, you know, if you got a harsh penalty, it's like that's a pretty, you know, a, a marginal call um, when other people might not be getting busted. Did
0: it, I know Murray didn't have a great day in route, mm. but do you think it ruined his race? Um, no, no, and
1: like yeah. Because the, the thing
0: is, when you get a penalty, it kind of ruins your race anyway. Hmm. But then you have to go through that. Does it put a bad taste in your mouth? For,
1: for, uh, yeah, yeah, it certainly would. But for most people... You, like know, can't, you can't do the John Newsome in and out in the penalty box. No. It's like... <laughs> <When> <laughs> for, for most people, uh, I was in there for a while. Oh, come uh, on. <laughs> you said you went in. You saw in your no one was placing it. No, I was in there for a while. I wasn't getting marked down. And was <laughs> one, two, Mr. nine hundred. But no, look, I think <laughs> for most people... If you have an extra five minutes onto your time, five to eight minutes, it's not the end of the world. But so you let's just to be honest, be if, if,
0: if you had the choice of sitting in a box for five minutes and an extra K, mm. you're always sitting in a box. Because mm. at the end of the day, in a marathon, at the end of an man, an extra K. It hurts. Oh, it man. hurts. Yeah. But
1: it shouldn't really derail your race. If someone, like if in my circumstance, if you're going for sub nine, that's it, it's all over. Yeah. When you go when when your best possible case scenario is maybe a low eight fifty and and then you get a five minute penalty, it's probably going to be race over. But if you know if you're out there and your your sort of target time is ten and a half and you end up doing ten thirty five, know, yeah, not the end of the world.
0: Yeah,
1: not the end of the
0: world. Anything else? And uh, the number of bike uh, number of officials on the bike course yeah, no, I've done that. But yeah,
1: there's the, the, this is the big difference between challenge and Ironman. They're trying to over backwards to make it the best possible experience and engaging with the athletes rather than you know just coming down with the stick saying this is what we're going to do. So good on them, yeah. Well, they've always seemed to put the athletes first, haven't they?
0: Yeah, so I no, mean, always does as well, John. Okay, so we've got a few mid distance races coming up, but you only noticed what, what you just noticed on the PTO page. What did you notice
1: so that now on PTO. They've got all the upcoming races, or a number of them, with the start list is fantastic um, because it's really hard to find where people are racing so Torsten does a fantastic job on tri when it comes to iron distance races um, but it doesn't necessarily have the links off to the athletes so you can find out a bit more about them so like coming up in the next uh, little period you've got the Hell of the West which is in Australia you've got 70.3 Geelong and you've got 70.3 Davial don't even know where that is but then you, boom you're on the PTO site you can click on those links it'll give you the start list then if you want to find out more about those athletes you can do it'll also tell you the strength of the field which I've talked about a bit today. So, for example, at Geelong, seventy point three, which is coming up uh, this weekend on the twenty-sixth of March, thirty thousand dollars prize pool. Strength of field on the women's side, seventy point six, so that's pretty low. Um, and then on the boys' side, uh, same strength of field, seventy point three five. You can see all the dudes that are racing. Now we know that a lot of them pull out. That happens in all these start lists that you see. But yeah, you know, it's good uh, if you're if you're a tri geek and you want to know what's going on. Um, check out the ProTriathletes.org, so the boys side, you've got Stephen McKenna taking on Ironman New Zealand champion Mike Phillips, uh, which will be a good little battle, so loving what PTO are doing.
0: Okay, one thing is happening over the next, is this weekend? Is, no, this was last weekend. Okay, the World Power Series kicked off in Devonport, in Australia, we had 48 athletes racing, we had, how many categories? Three categories, or was that seven categories? Uh, one, two... It's a few 9900, eight categories. <laughs> yeah. about eight categories.
1: Yeah. So look, I think this is really cool. So what what um, is happening now, and it may have happened in the past, so I haven't really picked up on it. Um, is there's now a four race series, and for para athletes, you know, they're they're qualifying when they're qualifying period soon for the Olympics uh, in France. Uh, so four races uh, plus a grand finale. Um, a number of those events are running alongside World Triathlon Series races. Um, but they kicked off this weekend. There was a sort of Continental Cup type race uh, in Devonport in Australia. Um, so yeah, it was really cool to see. And I think um, good on them. Yeah, it was good Good advertisement for our sport, good for good for the para-athletes. So we had Howie S- uh, Sanborn take out the um, wheelchair race uh, by about a minute. And the PTS, you get, then you got the PTS 1, 2 and 3, uh, or 1 two, three and four, and that's uh, where you have different levels of impairment. Uh, so you had uh, a bit of a mixture of Americans and Australians. Muhammad Lana took out the S2 category by five minutes. Justin Godfrey took out the S3 category by a whopping 20 minutes. Uh, close race in the uh, S4 race with uh, Jeremy Peacock taking that out, and then S5, you got David Bryant taking that out in 101. So I'm pretty sure, and I could be slightly mistaken, the higher the number, the less the impairment. And that would kind of run alongside these times as you got down to the S5, uh, he did a 101.21 compared to the uh, S2, it was a 113. Uh, And then you've got the ones that are classified as uh, VI, which is visually impaired, um, and Sam Harding took that out. The women's, they had Lauren Parker, um, who's a bit of a legend of the sport, winning the women's um, wheelchair race in the S2. You had Yukako Harter take that out. Sally Pearman took out the S4. And S5, uh, no, they didn't have anybody in the S5. So, yeah, good to see. You know, one thing about our sport is, as a sport,
0: We've always been good at the disabled athletes, haven't we? You know, like it's been a sport that's been inclusive in this part from the early days of the sport. Mm. You know, like Rick and Dick Hoyt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the the it was the other, the guys the um, guy who won Kona didn't win it, but it was a pro athlete.
1: Oh, here it is. Mark Herriman's I think it was from yeah. Belgium who got uh, uh, hit by a car.
0: Yeah. But just for a long time, you know, our sport's always been a really good option for people who have got disabilities to, mm. to get
1: into the sport. And we've, you know, it's, it's long may it continue because it's obviously a really important thing. Um, so good on world triathlon for making uh, more para athletes uh, get involved and good on them.
0: Okay. So this week's discussion was a disaster. And the <laughs> reason is, is what happens is John puts these long questions in yep. and, Unfortunately, when you put long questions on Facebook, you've got to do the blue post, because <sighs> if you do the blue post, people will see it. If you don't do the blue post, people don't read it. So I have to I have to edit what he does when he gets these big long questions. And so I put now, if you listen to the show, It
1: makes sense. It makes sense.
0: So I put, do you think age group racing teams that are not based on where you live are good for the sport, especially if they pay for results? And then
1: people just lost the plot. Hmm. Scott I, don't, I don't see how confusing it is, but, but I confusion on the question.
0: Yeah. Need more info. Listen to the show, Scott. Steve Dino Adonis No Oh no Okay okay. So Kylie Cox The hot chick She's come up She's Colonel The
1: the colonel hot chick (laughs) Outside of the waterfall Of waterfall Which is the name of the bank They've got the waterfall team Which is where the stem's from Okay Uh, And only because it was
0: brought to my attention I've not heard of any payment for age group podiums Most are paying for kit buy more kit or special deals with sponsors, and mainly about community. They require a lot of social media interaction about the racing and triathlon, and to benefit those who can race a lot, Australia, US, and Europe. And if a triathlon is a high priority, so so you're into that, so that you can make that work as well. So that's her thought.
1: Christopher Doyle, if money enters into age group racing, then there must be doping controls too, plain and simple. Rob Dalymore agreed with that. Uh, So, just my comment on that is is uh, he said there needs to be doping controls. Um, oh, for age groupers? Yeah. And so I know in Kona, there is some doping controls. It's hard one, but uh, it's so expensive, isn't it? Yeah. Elsewhere, it's going to vary by country by country, but it's certainly not something that's widespread. Steve Deodonis has got no, the worst is when they pass each other on the
0: course and they don't even cheer on each other. Oh, that's disgusting. It is disgusting. If you, yeah, if you've got a, if got, someone in your team, yeah, you don't have to cheer them, but you give them yeah. a, bit of, you know, a bit of a smile, a bit of a wave, yeah.
1: tap their butt, yeah. come you come know on. Pick, right. it up. Pick it up. Uh, Andrew Gunn, no, I don't think they're good for our sport. I think it makes something that is not intended to be. Sponsorships are not there, uh, are not performance based, that are not performance based are great. But when you add the results, it creates a different beast and takes the fun out of it. Rob Gray, did you do Rob
0: Gray? No. He's got yes. They offer a great community of support for each other, and also help with the discounts, etc. So the sport is slightly more affordable. I also have no problem with the cash incentives. These athletes invest a lot of time, and helping to offset some of the costs really helps them. It's not like they can make a living from it. At most, it will cover a hotel.
1: Lucy Francis, I'm in the UK and belong to a US-based race team. I'm friends with the owners. We pay for our kit. Other than, other than that, it's a great community that provides support on many levels. As we are a women's team, it provides a forum for us to, ta- to, to talk about women's specific stuff, periods, relationships, menopause, bringing up a family. The brand uh, in question, sportswear clothing, gets visibility in races all over the world and social media, but that's about it. I get no payment for it.
0: Lots of people don't understand
1: the question. Mick Simpson's yeah.
0: sharpened up. Samuel Brown's sharpen up. Good old Mike read, and he read it three times, scratching
1: his head. Sharpen up, Pike. <laughs> <laughs> Arnold, sharpen up. Uh, There's that many people. I think it's maybe the people no, on the other side of the microphone that need to no, sharpen oh, up. We're taking no responsibility. <laughs> Peter has got, needs more details. Sharpen up, Peter <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was a bloody disaster. The, 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 where it stemmed from... This this discussion was there was a team there was teams that and they're, they're paying incentives. You know, if you perform at races, you get a payment. Now, it wasn't that much. It's not like you are going to be retiring on it, uh, but you had to do well at races and it's you like had to was do like social media. dollars, wasn't it? Yeah, I think you won like four or five hundred mm. bucks, something like that. So, I'd be interested to know the legalities of it to start with. Is if you are an amateur athlete and you are getting paid, the legalities of that oh, is, is, it would be interesting, and that's going to vary from country to country. But in, yeah, back in the old days, remember the, the days of amateur sport? You know, you couldn't take payment for anything, or you were gone ski. You know, like we, we had in, in New Zealand rugby, we had players leaving the country, and, and they had to do. They had all these underhanded, backhanded yeah. sort of things that they were getting. You know, you'd, you'd get yeah, you get a you, car, a car, and could, be in your wife's name or something yeah. like if that. If you went into
0: Bunnings, you get all the <laughs> house built for you for free.
1: Um, but you had to be pretty careful about it, and and I think in this regard as well. I don't know if you can, just make payments. What's your thoughts? Uh, Look, these teams seem to work really well. It creates a community. Um, I don't think people necessarily should be getting financial incentives. I don't really necessarily agree with that. But all the other stuff, if you pay to join a team, you're paying for kit and you get discounts, it seems to work really well and it seems to create some really nice little communities. I would prefer that things were more regionally based. But if you haven't got anything in your local sort of place um then and let's I be honest be for I'm a lot watching. of people
0: even if they're in a region where they have a triathlon club uh, when you're doing this sport uh, a lot you know like i never used it the club mm. you know and, and now admittedly i kind of trained with you and a few people so we had a group of people we trained with um and I, it was a bit before social media time but you know, for people, this is how they connect with other people in the sport. It's all about community. You yeah, know, totally. if you feel good about it, yeah. it makes you feel
1: good. And as you said, if you if you go to a race and you don't have that instance before where you know you don't cheer on your teammates, but if you go to a race and you go along to a breakfast and you yeah, meet some yeah. people. And, and you've actually connected with them through your experience anyway. Mm. It's a bit more, not in the human way, more in the computer-based way,
0: but still it's connections.
1: And when we, so for example, when we go to Rote in less than 100 days, you know, we've got that team there and we spend a whole week together so you yeah. get to know each other. But it's really cool when you're out on the course and oh. you, see, you see the others that you've been, uh, you've been training with all week and it really gives you an, an, an ego. on. And if, if people are in that place where yeah they don't have a local community, they can, you yeah, know, jump on board with something. I'm all for it. Just don't know about the, you know, the payment and inside and sort of things. The thing
0: for me was the cost of being in it kind of cancelled out the payment. Mm. You know, like, I, I can't remember who. Someone sent us an email about it, but it was kind of like something like to be eligible to win the money, you had to pay like $200 a year anyway. Yeah. So it was kind of like, yeah, you know, like it was the, you're basically getting your investment back, maybe a little bit more, but it wasn't a huge amount. So for me... I don't mind if they want a to bit of a storm in teacup really yeah not but they're not anybody. a huge thing the teams are they
1: they're, they're getting bigger but yeah it's not not massive no they're about it's all good yeah, yeah now hopefully this question here makes uh, sense this week I don't know if it does I was sitting there going what do you mean why wouldn't it make sense oh, I don't know well last week's didn't make any sense what was last week's well do you think age group racing teams... Oh, the question of the week. I thought you meant the
0: quiz question. Oh, no. Okay, okay. What aspect of triathlon other than endurance sports... Or other endurance sports. Or other endurance sports makes you think what a tosser that guy or girl is just a poser. Do you know what, Funny John? I was just on Facebook before (laughs) because I've got lots of fitness people on my Facebook page because that's kind of what I do. And uh, there's a guy there (laughs) and... Well, it's quite lovely because his mother had died 20 years ago, 15 years ago and it's a tribute to his mum. Mm. Just saying, you know, you're really important. And then he had pictures of him doing, like, pull-ups and... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Hey, we're all so different. We're all different. Your job from now Naked, on... Naked, by even, the way. He had no top on. Right, <laughs> you know, it, was,
1: it was just him pull-ups. It was basically him posing like a mofo. So, so your job now, when when we do the, the discussion of the week, is get Joe to read it and see if it makes sense to her. What aspects of a triathlon makes you think, oh, what a toss I think that's pretty obvious. Because where this stems from... And I'll, I'll okay, give my, my, we, my answer go. to this now. Is what I don't get angry about it, but I do just think you're a tool. Is when people do like on their bikes, they do track stands at uh, traffic lights, and they're sitting there balancing, you know, without unclipping, oh, really? and that just grinds me a bit. Well, then, then why? Because they're just trying to be a tosser. But maybe they still want to put their shoes out. Well, they, I, I, th- this is my interpretation of it: <laughs> is you're a tosser. Just put a foot down. Because <laughs> I think when we think of tosser tolerance. <laughs>
0: You and I have got different cages. That's right. Because I think Joe's, John's tosser tolerance could be light. very low. Yeah, yeah. Because we were talking before the show and you are talking to call some people
1: with some efforts, weren't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so whereas I'm a bit more tolerant with t- t- things like someone wants to stand on their bike. That, that the tolerance level will vary quite significantly depending <laughs> on what sort of mood I'm in. For example, <laughs> we last week... I, Organised to or helped organise my big sea sky, which is a, is a race. Is, 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 it's a tough one to organise and um, a huge I, success. I hear. Yeah, it was it was a really good. Beautiful day. Uh, it went really well. But then I had to help organise the primary schools race on Tuesday. So the race was Sunday, Monday to get shit sorted out, Tuesday on it again, and I just do the logistics of that one. But it's a bigger race. It's like this year they had like six hundred and fifty kids racing or so. So it was back numbers were back up, which is great. But just parents, I honestly oh, just p- parents about punch some people in the face. <laughs> like, what put, happens? What well, happens? You, you fence off the whole transition area and you yep. want people to stay out and you've got channels on each side. You know, you guys know what a transition area looks like. And you just get parents wandering through the channels on the side during the race. And I'm like, I get the megaphone out, point it directly at them, and you're like, there's a fence there for a reason. And yep. you're, just, you're just shaking your head. They're just absolutely clueless. And just thinking about themselves, not thinking about anybody else, just wandering around. So yeah, my tolerance on those sort of things. uh, You know one I know we're kind of going
0: ahead of ourselves, but one that I have. Mm -hmm. If you've got a good body, good on you. And Um, I've been lucky in my life because because of fitness, I've always had a pretty decent looking body. Um, Taking your top off when you go for a run, thirty degree day, no problem. Yeah. Eight degree day. You see them? You're like shaking your hair. What are you? Doing (laughs) that's where my tosser tosser, tosser tolerance gets there. Was a guy the other day, like, seriously, like four degrees, and he had a mean body, no denying it. But you're just posing, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) you're just posing. So, uh, okay, so what is your tosser tolerance? This is the question. Okay, now we've got the quiz question,
1: yes, John's John's quiz quiz question. question. Okay, so here it is, what is it? This is because we were talking about Challenge wrote uh, earlier on in the show and it's less than 100 days. We got that reminder on our sort of socials the other day, less than 100 days and I was like, this shit's getting real pretty quickly. So who won Challenge wrote last year? Men's and women's. We're not going to do the old thing that been. there's been a blow up in New Zealand about, I don't know, that's another topic for another No, no, day. I need to know. What about the guy who offered $10,000 for... Oh, a so, so, okay,
0: so there's a guy, a local guy, isn't it? What's his name, John. Someone. John Moore. He puts a lot of races on. Some of them you wonder why they put on. Yeah. He's got this one called the Motorway Marathon, mm-hmm. where they literally run down a, a pathway, which is next to a motorway. It's actually
1: quite good running along there. But, but it's a but race? It's, it's a race. Boring as batshit. Boring. Good is, training, though.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. And it, he, he, what John does is he does lots of little races, an mm. occasional big
1: one, but he put $10,000 for a, someone to beat a certain time it, it was an sexist. ultra marathon and uh and it was to beat eight hour the eight hour barrier. And if you did that, male or female, ten thousand dollars. people think it's sexist. And uh and and that's quite a lot of money for yeah. ultras. Well they're saying it'd be the like the biggest prize person in Australia. Yeah. And I think that was reflective of uh um, of that that sport and that discipline. Uh and it blew up a storm in a heat up. <laughs> and then he t- what do you do? And then he doubled down and just looked like an idiot because uh, everyone said that's not fair, and uh, because you know you have yes you have s- some females yep. that are really good because the female won the terror last year, yeah. Didn't but you? there was nobody travelled for it because yep. the borders were closed. So yes, you know you do see some exceptional female performances, but generally speaking, but you look at the big races, the females are not beating the men, yeah. Um, and like we had this example this week where Anne Haug outran. Out- Almost all the men. You get examples of that. But she didn't win the races. race. She didn't win the race. Yeah. But, but then, the, then he's saying, oh, we've got $10,000. it's going to be a male or female? It doesn't matter. Anybody that does it is, is fine. Um, and then what? He, he doubled down. Yeah. He doubled down. Oh, and then he said, yeah, then okay, so now we're going to have $20,000. There's 10000 for a male and a female, whoever breaks. Um, the same time? At The same time. It's like, well, but you've missed the point. <laughs>
0: yeah lots of PR out of it yeah okay John let's go into your next oh so the question for the quiz question is who won challenge right you know what I don't have a clue this is going to my head in yeah we'll go to it later okay let's go to nutrition corner
1: corner. the glycemic index is an important part of a nutrition strategy so what is it John so yeah I was actually the reason I brought this up is I went to a little nutrition talk for the kids the other day it was at high school it was quite good who did Uh, it Leah Stenning. Oh yeah, Lea Stenning. Uh, yep. Yeah, so I, I, I've never met her before, but um, it's been with for a long time, eh? Yeah, yeah. You know, she, she had had a, had a new book out and really focuses on um, nutrition for you know um uh, for for children and for particularly athletes. But yeah, it just sort of stemmed my interest in the old nutrition corner again. So I thought I'd talk a little bit about the glycemic index, which I think most people are gonna probably have a basic understanding of but maybe don't actually then implement that understanding. So if you don't know what the glycemic index, it's a rating of foods um, that contain carbohydrates, and it shows how quickly those particular foods affect your blood sugar levels um, when that food is eaten on its own. That's quite an important point that we'll come up to later on. Uh, Now one thing, when we're talking nutrition, you're going to get... massive variability between athletes and you're going to have lots of different competing ideas on what's best and what's not best. But I think in general, having an understanding of what the glycemic index is uh, is really important for athletes. But what I will say is the glycemic index of one person can be quite different to the glycemic index for for the person next to me. So it might have a, for example, uh, a food might have a glycemic index rating of um, 70 for you Bevan and then if they did tests on me it might be 65 for me, or it might be 60. So there is a bit of variability, um, and so the scale goes from uh, goes up to 100 with glucose being rated at 100, um, and then you've got lower glycemic index foods that are obviously you know going to be down 20, 30, 40, and then you're going to have things like sports strength that are going to be about sort of 75. Um, so a few things you need to know about the glycemic index. As I said earlier, it's when it's it's rating a food when it's eaten on its own. So when you combine different foods with, uh, you know, say you have a some. Oats, and then you put you know, sugar or yep. yogurt or whatever, it's going to affect uh, your blood sugar levels as well. So you kind of just... it's basically
0: the breaking of the food down to blood glucose, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah.
1: And it's going to, you know... How fast it does it. Um, and as I said, everyone responds differently. If you're following a different sort of diet, like a low-carb, high-fat diet, um, yeah, you might be going, I don't need to know about this, I'm sort of going really low-carb anyway. It's still really important to understand this, because if you're in a situation where... You are, you're going to be bonking, then you kind of need to know the, the types of foods that are going to impact you and going to get you back on track as quickly as possible. So how you can use the glycemic index for, for your planning. Um, most of us kind of get the idea that you want to be having your pre-competition meal around about sort of two hours before the race start, two to maybe up to three hours before... Yeah massive variability about what people can tolerate you know you've got the nerves churning there some people can't eat anything they might be vomiting other people can have a little bit other people have got cast iron stomachs so they can have whatever uh, they want but generally you want to be looking for foods that are low on the glycemic index um, and so what you, if, if you just google different foods um, you'll be able to find out what sort of rating they have but this is where it's really important to think about some choices about the types of foods you might have so for example, you know, white bread is quite high on the glycemic index, which means you're going to absorb it quite quickly. And when you're having it, you know, two to three before two to three hours before the race not necessarily the best thing so you might look at that list of different foods on the glycemic index and go instead of white bread I'm going to have brown bread Um, or you might be thinking instead of having um, you might have those little packets of instant oats uh, instead of having them you might go for plain oats because instant oats are probably going to be laden with sugar and all sorts of other things so um, that's where it can be really helpful with regards to your pre-competition.
0: What was your pre like? What do you normally have?
1: Um, it will vary a little bit depending on whether I'm at home or not. So if I'm at home, it might be um, going down the porridge path. Um, yep. Generally, if porridge I'm, path, porridge path. <laughs> if I'm uh, going to be in a hotel, so look, for example in Challenge Road, I'm probably going to be having uh, a couple of Ems bars, and they're relatively low glycemic index yep. food as well. Um, so yeah, just requires a bit of planning, and that will come in later on as well. So. In competition, um, when you're thinking about the glycemic index, it is trial and error. So be really mindful of not listening to what a top pro might say they're having for their nutrition. Yeah, maybe listen to it, take it on board, but we all know it's got, it's a lot of trial and error. So what I recommend for most half Ironman athletes, so well, they generally are going to go down the path of you know sports nutrition. You know, you're out there from anywhere between four and maybe six hours. Most people can for the most part, tolerate um, sports nutrition all the way through and you're just sort of slamming it down. But for an Ironman, the approach I take is is a little bit different. Uh, So I try to mix in some lower glycemic index foods earlier in the the bike ride uh, and I'd encourage people just to at least consider doing that. So to put it in perspective you know, my race nutrition, I'm going to have a, a lot of sports drink, and it's usually going to be infinite, and that's going to be the staple of my um, my sort of nutrition through the bike ride, but what I'm trying to do, and, that, and that's quite a reasonably high glycemic index, but what I'm trying to do early in the bike ride is actually take in some lower glycemic index foods, so for example, might have an Ems bar, which is like a, a muesli type bar, which is quite low on the GI rating, and then I might be having some UCAN, um, generation UCAN, which is also quite low, and so I'm trying to Sort of package up having some low glycemic index with some some moderate to, to higher glycemic index foods. So I would encourage people to do that rather than just going uh, for the sports nutrition because when you're doing when you're having higher glycemic index foods, you you're spiking your blood glucose up all the time, and then it can come crashing down quite quickly on the other side. So you've got to be you know staying on it the whole way through. Uh, So that's a few tips around sort of in-competition and then post-competition, the first 30 minutes is generally the most important um, and if you do something like a fruit smoothie, I talk about that quite a bit, with protein powder, um, you're going to be ticking a lot of those boxes with regards to having some foods that are lower glycemic index, some that are medium and high, so I just go fruit, milk, blackcurrant powder, protein powder and often some oats in there as well. So then you're sort of ticking off your high glycemic index to sort to, to of recharge things quite quickly um, but also some lower stuff to sort of even, even it out a little bit. Uh, a couple of important points. Um Co-ingestion of fat with carbs will slow down your absorption of those carbs. So it can be a good or a bad thing. So if you are looking at things like a, a muesli bar uh, or a sports bar of some description, you know, if it's laden with peanuts and high fat, it's going to absorb a little bit slower. That can be a good or a bad thing. Um, uh, so yeah, just kind of look at the labels or search, search things up a bit. But when you are having your carbs with fats, um, it's going to slow things down a bit. Fibre is really important to look at as well um, because again that can be a good or a bad thing. You know, you want to keep your food going through you at a smooth rate and that's what fibre is going to do um, but you've got to be really careful about that on race day. So if you're looking at changing your pre-race or your meal the evening before, yes look at the glycemic index but also factor in the, the fibre content um, because you do not want to necessarily be uh, running to the toilet every five minutes um and yeah a few random things which I got, kind I got, of i've got a random question for you is this something you think about in your everyday life uh it, it should be you know but um, Is this something you w- 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 yeah to a degree yes so i guess for me probably post-training is something i'm thinking about uh and in training, which is what I'm just coming to, I think about it as well. So for example, at the moment, I'm doing quite a bit of fasted riding. Uh, and so on our big bike rides that we're doing, you know, we did a 170k ride on Saturday. I'm going out there in a fasted state. And I'm only, for the first two to two and a half hours, I'm only doing water only. And then from making, it, as long as I'm not bonking or anything like that, then I'm going for lower GI foods to try to just have a slow absorption of them. Uh But I've got some high GI foods in my pocket ready to slam them if I start. Do start to biking. Do do start to bonk. I'm already biking because I'm on my bicycle. Um, So yeah, I don't. I I certainly don't live and die by every single thing. Um, But I'm conscious that if I'm going to be bonking. I need to have something ready and so if i'm doing a fully fasted ride where i'm basically trying to do the entire ride without any um fuel at all and then i'm going to make sure i've got some high gi foods on hand uh so that i can actually you know if i bonk I'm, i can get myself out of uh, out of trouble quite quickly and that's same on race day but i think it's reasonable common sense on race day you know if you're bonking you're going to go for foods you know like coke and stuff like that which is going to be high on the gi index yep. to to get things me some. So um website you could look at that I found was quite good. It doesn't actually talk about the, the GI score, but that's foodcomposition.co.nz. But that was just a really good one for plugging in foods for, um, to find out their, basically, their nutritional values. Uh, and there's a bunch of things. If you shove shoving glycemic index into food, you know, sports foods for glycemic index and stuff like that into Google, you're going to find some, some pretty good lists in terms of uh, what's high, medium, and low. But yeah, just, I think, important to... Think about it and factor into your training and your racing. What's your normal eating routine? Eating routine. Oh. Uh, I'm generally not eating before any mm, low to moderate intensity exercise. Uh, no, but day to day. Day to day. Yeah, just like. Oh, Belinda makes the most kick ass um, muesli. So muesli for breakfast. Um, so, but that's really nutty and seedy. Yep. So, so generally, like I use today, for example, get up, go swimming. Um, swam for about So you eat after? Yep, don't eat before. Yep. Uh, and after, hydration's pretty important. And my breakfast is going to be a piece of fruit. So this morning was a beautiful nectarine. Good stone fruit season. Gotta love stone fruit season. Mm. Uh, and then some kick-ass, um, really nutty and seedy almonds, sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds, um, a little bit of uh, oats in there. Baked together, a bit of coconut, it's bloody good. Bloody and good. quite a bit of yogurt on top, so that's breakfast. And then if I'm up here, I'm usually biking, and I'll grab a couple of squares of your chocolate sometimes. Very occasionally. <laughs> Very occasionally. Uh, so going out there in a slightly, probably slightly depleted state. Lunch is typically uh, maybe eggs, when you can get them. A yeah. <laughs> bit of an egg shortage in New Zealand at the moment. And um, it's still short? Quite often, yeah. Okay. You clearly don't do no, in, in your I think
0: I've shopped. Three times since I've been with John. Yeah.
1: Uh, so lunch will either that or a salad or some sort of uh, wrap. Usually a bit of dairy in there, a reasonable amount of dairy. And dinner is a random collection of you know reasonably good quality stuff. I think tonight is a spinach and tofu curry with do you, rice. Do you um,
0: have an afternoon snack? Uh,
1: if required. But um, yeah, I'm trying to lose a bit of belly at the moment. So I'm trying to deplete myself slightly. But I'd typically peanut butter. Um, and maybe maybe on a cracker or just by itself or a bit of dairy, but trying to reasonably high fat uh, just to fill me up more than anything.
0: Definitely. So my day, people want to hear about our eating, but my day is I have two bits of um, two bits of toast with uh, tomato and hummus, mm-hmm. protein shake. and Tomato is expensive these days. Well, you don't do know. the shopping, no. so you wouldn't know. Yeah, but John <laughs> lets me know. Um,
1: and then I have a teaspoon of
0: um, peanut butter. Mm-hmm. And some fish oil tablets
1: you still on the shit peanut butter Or are you on the good stuff now Nah shit's fine <sighs> Mate, Why pay more oh. it's, peanuts, it's peanuts or peanuts <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if there are peanuts And that stuff you have Yeah it don't look like it <laughs> um, I
0: don't go the shitty shitty Yeah, I go like Peter It's yeah. fine um, and You know the, the good stuff cause It did my head in Because it was always dry at the bottom oh. And and it's to stir it but it was always dry at the bottom. and fog. Uh, uh, then lunch. I normally have, I used to have a sandwich, orange, yogurt, and a couple mm-hmm. biscuits. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've just been having leftovers lately. Mm-hmm. Joe tends to cook an extra meal, nice. you know, so I just have like, whatever he had the night before. In the afternoon, I'll have a snack, I'll have a piece of fruit and a protein shake. Mm-hmm. But if I'm doing a lot of exercise, I might add a bit of something else to it. Mm-hmm. And then dinner, you know, Joe always cooks dinner. Joe's mm-hmm. got this app menu aid view to this. No. Brilliant! She loves it. Mm-hmm. So basically, what it does—it's only four dollars a week. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like in my food bag. But what you do is you kind of say you go through it, you, you get all your meals, mm-hmm. and then it creates a shopping list for you. Mm-hmm. And then you know, then you basically make your meals each week.
1: Should uh, have that as website of the week. You bloody wasted some content there. Oh, okay, well, website <laughs> <laughs> of the week. Menu
0: aid. And if, at this stage, they're not got it to the point where you can just go now buy from countdown or buy from wherever you buy from. Yeah. But that will be the plan is eventually you'll just kind of they'll go to your order and it will just be online or something. But she loved them. my wife's a brilliant cook and mm-hmm. she loves cooking, but she loves it because just because lots of ideas. Mm-hmm. And apparently it's really good because you'll have like if you're a Veggie or Veggio mm-hmm. or you know, vegan or whatever, and there's plenty of options and yeah, it's really good. So nice, check that out. So no, that's what John and I mm. <laughs> eat <Yeah. laughs> each day. I'm I'm a real consistent eater, but pretty much mm. the same thing every day. Oh, mm. I, I suppose pretty. it changes because of my meals, but mm. same same stuff. So okay, there you go. So glycemic index, a really important thing to think about in your training and in your racing. Okay, Johnbo, one, two, three, four, high, high five. On
1: developing your catch when you swim. I reckon I've done this before, but I've been thinking think about my, I've been thinking about my catch quite a bit in the last few sessions. So I thought, hey. How did you catch Linda? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. yes, we're not doing joke of the week. Oh. We're doing high five. <laughs> uh, Before <my> we <laughs> tried to do joke of the week. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bloody
0: disaster. <laughs> not as much of a
1: disaster as the cooking book. <laughs> that <laughs> cookbook's still in the works. We, yeah, let's just see what year. I, I think I've still got some <laughs> when you of that see, stuff when cookbook, I was like, what are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> let's see if I can find yeah, you, where I was Because people
0: did see the recipe through, didn't they? Oh, yeah. No, the problem is because cookbooks are about, more about photos than anything, aren't
1: they? Yeah, cookbook. Here we go. Okay, how many did you get? It was <laughs> back in 2010. 2010. So. Let's, let's bust something <laughs> out. Let's <laughs> something out. bust something out. Barry Breffel's World's Best Oatmeal. There we go. Barry Breffel. I wonder if he still listens to the show. Surely. Righty-ho. I am taught cookbook. So you put in a bit of steel cut cut oats, 240 mils, 240 mils of seven grain cereal, water, 10 eggs. (laughs) Jesus, (laughs) 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 you'd be (laughs) bankrupt in New Zealand (laughs) (laughs) even if you get your eggs. Uh, You put some 80 80 mils of sugar, 80 mils of naturally chunky peanut butter, good stuff, 80 mils of uh, maple syrup. Four hundred and eighty mils of old-fashioned oatmeal, uh, a couple of handfuls of chopped almonds, a couple of handfuls of raisin, and two hundred and forty mils of non-fat milk. Okay, yeah, yeah. that was that was good content. But yes, no, I've i still got those recipes there. One day we'll get uh, David Liveridge, the Pronto Pasta. Uh, I think I think this is why the cookbook's moved yeah. <laughs> on.
0: I think people aren't writing this down.
1: It's okay, high five On <laughs> developing your catch When you're swimming So if you don't know What your catch is It's the front part Of your stroke The idea is You kind of want to put Your arm around a barrel So what a lot of people And I will say The majority of people is do they hand the water and it just comes straight down, and so your arms are really straight, so you're missing out a lot of power at the front.
0: When we were with, um, God, I've forgotten the name in Hawaii, um, Carlin Pipes, Carlin Pipes, mm-hmm. and she did that session with you, mm-hmm. and then we went and did that swim where bloody mountain snail got lost. Mm-hmm. And I reckon now, the, what the tips she gave that day. Mm-hmm improve my
1: swimming straight. There you go. Yeah. So a b- 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 big part of that is, is working on your catch. When I mean, there
0: so was out she was like, you have got to get in and f- get over it, you yeah. know, and, and feel like you're pulling it in. And I used to kinda go in and kind of half straight end arm. It. Yeah. yeah.
1: And you think your power's coming through the middle part of straight. And it is, you're getting a lot of power. But it was, it was about better. really about catching it earlier, wasn't mm. it? Yeah. So if you get it right, you should be feeling it a lot more in your lats. So tip number one. Is just go and search for developing your catch, uh, swimming catch, on YouTube, so you can actually see what I mean. We're going to talk about it here, but go and see what we mean by developing your catch, what it actually looks like. Um, you need to have a little bit of a bend in your elbow, and then you've got to kind of reach like over the top of a barrel, or like you're trying to reach on top of a, um, I don't know, a cupboard or something like that. So watch some, That's number tip number one. Watch some YouTube tips. Tip number two is get in front of the mirror. Hmm. Don't don't worry. Practice. Don't just take your shirt time. off. Don't <laughs> take <laughs> your <laughs> shirt off. Especially it's five on. degrees. Yeah. Uh, so get in front of the mirror. And what are you meaning here? So you're just trying to, to see what it looks like, and just get that movement pattern happening, uh, and so you can actually see what you're doing. You know, when you're in the water, you're trying to breathe, you're trying to float, you're trying to do all those things. And a lot of us feet uh, swimmers, you know, a little bit weaker, and it's just a struggle sometimes to get from one end to the other. So getting that sort of that those patterns moving in front of the mirror, and then you try to take it to the pool. Okay, number three. Number three, use some fins. Ties in with number two there, as I said. Where, you know, Some people struggle to get from one end to the other. Using the fins is going to give you that extra a bit of flotation so then you can um, focus on what you're doing a little bit more and then maybe incorporate some drills. Number four
0: is the one-arm drill. So when you're doing this, are you doing it with a... Arm out in front, or you're arm holding a pedal
1: board, or uh, no arm out in front, uh, and if you're a weaker swimmer, definitely be using some fins. And when you're doing one arm isolated, it's so much easier to actually look at what you're doing and really try to get that um, vertical sort of forearm, early vertical forearm. Keep your elbow nice and high, and you're not sort of uh, you know you're not focusing on breathing to the other side or worrying about what you're doing, it's just one arm at a time relatively slowly. You know, you're know, you not just trying to spin that arm around like a windmill. Um, you're really concentrating on what you're doing and uh, if you do it with fins, then it's going to be a lot easier as well. And the last one, number five, which is what I was doing a little bit of this morning, which sort of prompted this, is to do a bit of the catch-up drill. So the catch-up drill is you keep one hand out in front, you stroke with the other arm and you don't move. You're, let's say you're stroking with your right arm, your left arm's staying out the front and it stays out there until your right arm catches up and so at that, that stage you've got both hands out in front and then you initiate your uh, your left hand. So that's why it's called catch up because your hands are catching up.
0: Well, you've got one, you've missed the obvious one.
1: What's that one? Well, I did do this pretty quickly this morning. <laughs> <laughs> film yourself. Sorry? Film yourself. I oh, film yourself, totally. Yeah, like
0: it's something people don't do enough. Mm -hmm. you know because and and I've already talked about this in the past but in group fitness your technique's really important because you're role modelling for people to follow and also your technique is actually how you kind of can motivate people so the best thing a group fitness instructor does is films himself and when i first started teaching i would film myself every week now it's not something i do so much nowadays but when you film yourself because your coach will tell you a thousand times mm. mate your hands come across the front of your body mm. you know and you're oh yeah what, you? yeah, okay oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. and then you film yourself oh my god my hands come across you know you yeah. until you see it yourself it's just not as you just don't get as much buy-in and then you know if you can if you can film yourself and nowadays with apps or if
1: your coach you can now maybe it's a little bit harder, harder underwater, but nowadays you're probably not so much. So, what if you're filming yourself in the pool? Um, for most things, generally the front on angle is going to be your best, um, especially with that. Uh, well, no, with this, it's probably getting the side angle, oh, okay? Um, because the front angle is really going to show the that hand entry point if you're crossing over when you're breathing and so on. Um, but if you can go into lane, you know, one or the outside lanes and just have somebody walk alongside you and. It's, it's quite hard to see sometimes, but yeah, just trying to film that that front part of your stroke uh, And that's how you'll you'll see whether you're just going through the straight arm or ideally You really want to be trying to get under the water if you can um, And if you yeah. have a life-proof case or something like that you can you can maybe try to do that uh, Or you can team up with someone and then they just go under water and just hold their breath and film you as you kind yeah. of Swim past
0: because it'd be really valuable <coughs> It's just great feedback. Hmm. You know, so number six is to film yourself. Okay, let's go to Pro of the Week. We're we'll going to our female first. She pulled out number from random.org. Number 20 is
1: Tamara Jewett. We've had her on the show before. Yeah. Um, now, normally I do a bit of prep here, but uh, my prep was lacking today. So we're well, we just going to... I'm going to say she's 30. I'm going to say she's 32 because it says age 32. <laughs> <laughs> Bevan's, looking at the, Bevan's looking at the day of birth, working it out. It's like... She's aged into That's sensational. Uh, God, I'm sharp. She's ranked number twenty, and she's uh, one hundred and sixty-nine centimeters tall. So she's an average swimmer, decent cyclist, amazing runner. And based off my theory, or not my, my my theory, my suggestion that athletes should be if they're getting lapped on the run. Uh, yeah, get, yeah, you're, they're I, out yeah, no, you're she, out she wouldn't like you at all so she would have in the PTO race she was my example actually she finished in 16th place uh, smoked it on the run with a one oh eight fifty nine, which was amazingly fast but she did get lapsed so in my theory she should be out um, and my theory is you're in full no, so last season, <laughs> no, 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 I'm not last season. She won in Mont Tremblant. She won in Eagleman. Uh, she won the previous season in Timberman. Um, and prior to that, she was pretty much running. She sort of sort of started her tri career, pro tri career, in 2019, um, and then obviously 2020 and part of 2021 were write-offs.
0: Interestingly, she must start the year late every year because no, I mean the last few years have been a bit funny with COVID. COVID, but. Um, she did her first race in 2022 in June. She did her first race last year in May because I was thinking, where is she
1: this year? But obviously she likes to take a bit of time off at this time of the year and... Well, she's from Canada, it's still bloody freezing over there. Yeah. So if you want to uh, listen into a bit more about Tamara, go to episode 807 um, and we had her on that particular show. One of the things I did want to highlight today and uh, you guys know that I love the, the PTO site but they've got the head to head and when you get athletes that race you know, quite regularly and especially if they race in Europe and North America regularly, you can get some really good head to head. So if we go Tamara Jewett versus say the current Ironman World Championship, Chelsea to Sedaro you can click on that and it just gives you the best stats it'll rank them up against uh when this their swim stats so against Chelsea Sedaro she's only beats her out of the water only 40 percent of the time um no sorry uh 20 percent of the time same on the bike but on the run, she'll outrun her 80% of the time. And overall, uh, she's got a 40% record against Chelsea Sedaro. So beats her 40% of the time. Chelsea Sedaro beats her 60% of the time. And you can you can just do it with uh, all sorts of athletes. So, you know, again, if we team her up against, uh, say, Jackie Herring, who's you know, a relatively similar ranked athlete, or she's very similar. She's ranked uh, 17th. You can see all their stats uh, as well. I'm loving it. Um, yeah. But, however... She only beats results. her 16% of the time. So she's a bit of a nemesis, Jackie Herring, for, uh, for Tamara Jewett. Good old Tamara Jewett. Beast of a runner. Just absolutely killing it. And I love seeing athletes like her that... Well, you would want her out of the race. Yeah, out of the race. Just got to improve her swim bike. Um, but I remember her in the Collins Cup last year. She just went into beast mode, just risked it on the bike and ended up not having her best run. But in that sort of competition, she just tried to hang on. I can't remember who she was hanging on to, but she just had a great swim and just sort of got to hang on on the bike this time. Now, it did backfire a little bit, but she just went into beast mode. And I uh, and also love seeing people like her, who they were really, really good runners, but not necessarily Olympic standard, yeah. but they come across a triathlon and yeah, they just, Korea. it's yeah. like their running doesn't slow down almost. It's interesting, um, I was
0: just going to go through Instagram, can, I've been kind of scrolling, you've been talking, and uh, she's, Later, earlier on in her Instagram, you got photos of her when she was like a track runner. Mm. It's quite cool. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, then we also on the men side of things, we look at number. Uh, I think it was twenty seven. Twenty seven. Jackson Laundry. So yeah, he's twenty nine. He's 29. Yep, <laughs> they I, actually I, tell I, you that they do he's that for you. seventy seven. <laughs> Sixty eight kg. Do you think he's
1: today, or do you think he's lost or put on weight? Uh, he's 177, 68 kgs. It's pretty lean, isn't it? Mm, yeah, yeah. I, I think it'd be about right. Yep. Mean, yeah. Um, but he's also had you know. He, when you when you rank 27, you know you're not you're not you're not bad. His big highlight was last year. Um, Jackson Laundry won the 70.3 in California, and on that day he beat some big Kahuna's. Uh, he beat, took down Lionel Sanders. Uh, he took down Rudy von Berg, Alistair Brownlee, Ben Knut, Jason West. Uh, so I think that was potentially the highlight of his triathlon career. However, it didn't give him his highest point score. Uh, that gave him a score of 80.49. Um, what gave him a higher score was the 70.3 World Championships, which gave him a score of 85.79. Finished there seventh last year. So he's not a, necessarily a prolific winner, um, but he was pretty consistent last year, second in uh, Indian Wells, uh, fourth in Los Carbos. He only got 17th at the PTO US Open and 19th in the Canadian Open. Probably pretty disappointed with that, but came home with a really good seventh place at the World Championships. Uh, he's been racing pro since 2017. Um, and What's the best he could hope for? Well, when you're beating that calibre of a field... He's young enough. Yeah, when you're beating that caliber of field, he he doesn't do Iron. Oh, he did Ironman Majorca in 2021 and only finished in 13th place. So he's basically a 70.3 specialist. And he, uh, from memory, he was the guy who was having the the smackdown talk with Joe Skipper at the was it the first Collins Cup? Was it either the first or the second Collins Cup? Okay. And And uh, and he managed to catch Joe on the on the run and rub it in his face. Um, but yeah good solid athlete a little bit up and down um but on his day yeah seventh at the world champs is uh no mean feat and he was fifth the year before at the world champs in 2021 so when he gets it right he's um he's pretty dangerous
0: good stuff okay there are pros of the week we're going to winger of the week and i've already picked it john number oh. 67 from the week before kane pickin okay it's a good name yeah, hopefully hopefully he's, not hopefully he's not profiled he's not snobbing us what, what number did you say uh, 67 from last week. He had 13 hours and 33 minutes of training. He, ooh. 2 hours
1: 16 in the swim, 5 hours 31 on the bike, and 5 hours 45 on the run. Kane looks uh, like a cool guy. He's got, there's a photo
0: of him, he post run beer, post swim beer.
1: Oh, look at, look, look at the terrain. I think he's from Sydney, is it right? Well, he's d- he did the Sydney Harbour ten k and five k. Yep. So I'm picking he possibly is, or he's from that neck of the woods. Uh, very up and down training over the last sort of period. Um, we had a monster week there a couple of weeks ago, and on each, January. either side of that, he had uh, pretty much nothing. But yeah, killed January. Sort of reasonably good in February. Um, Predicted yeah. marathon
0: times three o
1: seven. Nice. Uh, One thirty two for a mar- for a half. Longest ride, 179.6 kilometres. Let's see where he did that. Biggest climb, 138 metres. My God, fella, you need to go and find a hill.
0: Well, he has got KOM in Irvine Street. So Mm -hmm. so, (laughs) admittedly, it's only 0.6 of a K, and it's only 12 metres high. Basic KOM of there. There we go. So Kane Pickin, you are our wanger Wanger of the week. (laughs) We nailed that, the last bit, didn't we? Um, Okay, let's go to John Swim. Oh, Oh, quiz question. Wrote last year. Mm. Was it Jan? Uh,
1: Jan was there. Or did he pull out? He did. He pulled out. Jan for Dino, so the story there is. He was... uh, Leading on the run, and he made it down to the canal. I was actually watching this the other day, which is kind of cheap because then I know the results. Uh, But I I think I would have got it anyway. Um, Oh, it's easy to say that. So in wrote you you, you T2, and then you probably got – know maybe three three k's maybe or so down to the canal and a lot of you have watched the footage you you run up and down this canal for a long period of time quite a lonely part of the race because there's no not really any spectators uh, about pockets of them and then at each end you have a a lot more um but he was leading down to the air and he basically got to the canal and just went nah i'm gone Ski my. uh i think it was his achilles i think it was that, that blew out um, but he had been biking with the other fella that went on to win the race. And you're going to have a stab at it. Bevan? any ideas? Anybody else out there? Any ideas? The current person who won is currently ranked third in the world. They are 25 years of age. Oh, is it? Is it? Um, Very tall, 195. Okay, tell me. I, I can't remember. And 79 kgs. Magnus Ditlev Yeah. Okay. Took that out. And then female. Hold on. I just want to mention the. What was so amazing about this race? He was only a handful of seconds off the course record. So he swam 50:44, rode a 401, 401, and ran 2:40.22. So what was s- the time? 7:35.48. Uh, I don't know if it tells me what the course record is here, but it's like he was like a matter of seconds wow. from breaking breaking Fedino's record. was a record. reef. Sorry? Daniela Reef. Uh, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure it was Anne Haug, but I'm not okay. 100% sure on that. Is Daniela one road? She has isn't yeah, she? yeah, yeah, yeah. She's one road. Uh, she won it one year definitely one there. of the years we were there. Yeah. Uh, Anne Haug took it out by nine minutes from Finella Langridge, swam 58, rode 433, and ran 246. That's a pretty bloody impressive run split. Finella Langridge was uh, leading her off the bike, um, but. No answer for a 246. Not many people are going to have an answer for that. So there you go. That was who won wrote last year. The reason why I brought that one up is because it's less than 100 days to wrote. It's less than 100
0: days. My wife and I go to Bali as well. Nice. We're going to have to play that because you're going to be away. I'm going to be away.
1: Yeah. Oh. No, we said well. Okay. Uh, let's go. Just seat. What did you do this morning? We did 600 meters warm up where we did 100 meters. Jesus, it's windy out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, glad I didn't bike. Uh, we did 100 meters freestyle. 25 backstroke, 25 breaststroke, 25 kick, 25 drill. Repeated that three times through. Then next, onto the main set, five 100s, descend one to five. Uh, so that's getting progressively faster. 100 meters easy IM. The next set was four 200s, descend one to four, getting progressively faster. And we I was doing those on the 320, so you're getting anywhere between sort of 20 to sort of 30 seconds rest. 100 metres easy IM. And then the last set was three 400s to send one to three. So it was five 100s to send one to five. Four 200s to send one to four. Three 400s to send one to three. Warm down, 3.5 kilometres. Very good. Uh, let's say thank you to our patrons. We've got Chris, the yes, Jetstream Doherty. John, I'm going to knock
0: you I'm out. I'm going to knock you out. Uh, and we've got Ryan, the Ruthless. Smith if you want to become a patron of the show go to www.iamtalk.me. Uh, support the boys and what we do and giving you content each week around your triathlon love uh, also if you want to get some coaching go to coachjohnnewson.com if you want to get one of those last spots on his camp go to epiccamp.com uh, for all my work uh, my book anything like that go to bevanjamesihals.com Anything else, like Age Group of the Week, cool websites, anything like that, you can email us at imtalkpodcasts at gmail.com. Is your John,
1: book g- still sm- selling? Yeah, you know what, it
0: really is. Mm. It's kind of, I don't know why. Mm. Like, don't, don't, you know, like, I'm, <laughs> I'm proud of the book. But, because basically my strategy with the book was, we we put, it basically cost me 20 grand to, to, to get the book to the market. Mm-hmm. And we went with a self-publishing model. Mm-hmm. And so, um, uh, so basically... It means we make a lot more money per book, but it, mm-hmm. the, the real reason we did it was to have a lot more control of what you can do with the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the book came out, we basically we made all our money back straight away. Mm-hmm. And then um, we were still selling. Yeah, like, it's not as quick as much what it was when it first came out. And my whole idea was every dollar I make, I put back into marketing to get more people to buy the book because – we're in a position in life where we don't need that money and it's more about trying to try help people mm-hmm. but I just haven't had time to do the marketing so we've mm. got this big budget sitting there mm. to do the marketing so um got to market the album instead market your oh, album no, that's a hobby that's different <laughs> But um so we've actually got we've got a, a good chunk of money to mm-hmm. spend on marketing but I just haven't actually done it but yeah we're still selling books every week and um so it's actually quite why cool why don't
1: you this week uh, given it's a relatively short show put one of your songs on the end here
0: okay I'll do that Okay, I'll do, I'll do the calm song Okay Okay I'll do that Okay I'll do that Here we go You one of the
1: I songs do. Well it is Yeah okay Pretty cool okay, yeah. I'll do that um, What you got Shombo? Uh Yeah so last week We were busy race directing So I'm looking forward to this week Because I've got a full week With no interruptions Like it's, a full a week That's nice a thing isn't it Because then the following week It's all gone to shit again We're going down to Wanaka For the schools race uh, I know you're saying The, the mouldy way of saying Wanaka I'm trying to It yeah. says Wanaka I'm pretty sure John, John Hancock can correct me Sounds that. a bit whiny, but doesn't
0: it? Yeah. Wanaka. Yeah. Sounds a bit American. Wanaka.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So mm, what are you doing down here? Uh, I've got the secondary school's nationals. Are you running it? No, I am. Tommy's racing? Yep, Tom's racing. How we ha- where will he go? Uh, it kind of depends who turns up, really, but probably reasonably well. Yeah. Yep. No, he ran a 9.39 on Saturday for a 3K for the Canterbury Jesus, for it. It was like And that was a solo bloody... Yep. TT off the front there was nobody running with him he didn't have any competition so uh, that was pretty pretty solid what does he want to do um, is it like he, is, is the dream to be an athlete um, like he's living life yeah because no, he's, many just, he's just happy he's just happy doing he loves training he loves being outdoors and loves pushing himself yeah. so uh, he's he's happy it's doing good and good base. Yeah, don't really have that discussion don't really yeah because it's, it's bloody hard to make it these days oh, swimming yeah. this morning we had uh somebody jumped in the lane, was Jenny Rose, who was a world champion from 19… The world champion what? She did won the world long-distance championships one year in Nice. I'm going to say it was about mm, somewhere between sort of 93 and 96, or some, somewhere around about that sort of period there. Um, but she was a regular on the, sort of back then it was called the World Cup circuit, and she was pretty competitive, you know, towards the front of the field. Not a superstar. Did she uh, win races? Other she than won some races, yeah. yeah. But no, Long she course what, at that time was what? Was it still what we see nowadays? Well, I think the one she won in Nice was the Nice distance, which I think would have been the 4K, 120K, okay. 30K. Okay. Um, but she was much more an Olympic distance athlete, really yeah. strong on the bike, good swimmer, steady on the run. Um, and it was before the, the Olympics and stuff, and the, the standard back then was... You had some really good athletes, um, but there was the depth was nothing like what it was now. Um, but she did, she did really well. You know, she raced in Europe for quite a few years, won a lot of races over mm-hmm. there. Uh, so she was a good athlete. So she seems to be back in Christchurch, which is nice. Because beat you in the water.
0: But, uh, sorry, she fast no. Isn't, no did you say you're not what
1: you used to be? Did you, you yeah. Know? She had toys and everything. I was like, whoa. <laughs> Our old coaches <laughs> back in the day would have, uh, yeah. I spent a lot of time training with her back in the back in the 90s. I uh, don't know where I'm going with this, but she was swimming this morning. So you're going to Monica never have Yeah. Uh No. Don't think so. What about you, Bevan? I got a big week coming. Oh, well, was a lot of sport at the weekend, which was oh, it was of, great kind of sport, good. wasn't it? Yeah, I don't think anybody outside of Christchurch really cares that much about the, the sale Grand Prix, but that's a cool I'm thing to watch. I'm curious to see because I've I've watched I've probably in my life since it's been on and you're occasionally on Sky, mm. I've probably watched three hours of it. Mm-hmm. You know, like the so, Sail so GP is basically about a fleet of about nine race nine boats up on foils, just high speed boat racing and you think they're going to crash into each other half time. So it's, it's pretty electrifying and it's uh, really short, three races all over within an hour and a half. So it's just made for TV. You're not yep. sitting there watching paint dry. Yeah.
0: And it, it's it's really cool. Good and production. it was in Christchurch and it's, it's kind of an event Christchurch typically wouldn't get. Mm. And apparently it was the bomb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, So it was good you wrote up what, The Warriors won as well Bevan? Well the great thing about the Warriors is They're winning this games They normally year. lose This is their is, this is year this is, Well I don't know if it's our year The great thing about the NRL this year Is it's so close Yeah Like the top four teams right now with the four teams everyone thought Was going to get last Right now, Maybe it's only week three But it's pretty cool mm. It's really cool So because the, the Warriors The thing about the Warriors Is they'll always drop the lip In the last part of the game mm-hmm. But the last three weeks They haven't Mm. And I've won two of the games. Yeah. So, and then the Crusaders one. Oh, chocolate. It's all good. Me this week, I've got a huge week in front of me. That's good. Going to Michael McIntyre tonight. Mm-hmm. Do you know who he is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he's funny. Yeah. He's very yeah. funny. If yeah. you, I, think if I was you,
1: tempted. I think the ticket prices are a little uh, on the steep side. Do you know what?
0: <laughs> it's Joe's favorite comedian. Yeah. Like, if I ever come home from work and she's watching something, she'll be watching one of his comedian things. Mm-hmm. So I was like, babe, we're doing it. Mm. And Joe's a tight ass. And, and she they, was
1: like, oh, she'll be like, babe, he's your favorite. Either one of the funny things, if people don't follow him, he does this uh, some stand-up shows in the UK. So you Pommy listeners and know all this. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, when he had, call he, a friend. He, call a friend or whatever. Or text he, a friend. And he gets somebody's phone, like it's usually a, a, a celebrity, and he'll text some messages uh, to their entire address book. And they'll yeah. be quite entertaining. Yeah, it's very good. He's very funny. So we're really mm-hmm. looking forward to that. So that's tonight. Quiz night with the boys tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. Which we've been doing really well in.
0: The last two times we've done Quiz Night, mm-hmm. first half, like, like total disasters. Mm-hmm. I like think you're going to get 10th. And then came back and got in the top three. Nice. So that was good. And then one of my favourite bands of all time. Like, do you have an album, the top five albums that define your life?
1: I mean, you know me, Bevan. I'm not a You must I, have I've, one. Um, look, the Counting Crows one that you're going to talk about, that's, that's a bloody it's, good one. It's probably not or, the one. Almost and everything after yeah, it. No, yeah, no, so see, that's not the one that does it for me. Although, yeah. that's a great album. Yeah. So. That big storm coming through Christchurch, yeah. just windy <laughs> as hell out there. I'm <laughs> no, really feeling good about my decision to drive up here about now. <laughs>
0: so that August and Everything After is, is a masterpiece. But the next album, Recovering the Satellite. Was, oh, yeah, that was really good. Yeah, that was the yep. defining album for me. Um, so they're coming on Thursday night, so I'm looking forward to really that. Where are they playing? Just the town hall. All right. Inside. And unfortunately, because Porno let me know, so I, Porno and Steph are going, and I couldn't get seats for them, so I'm literally doing a solo mesh by myself. Mm-hmm. But they're not even a standing area. Mm.
1: Sit there and clap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know, I want to dance. Yeah. Or at least stand, yeah, at, least at least sway. You don't want to piss the people off behind no, you. No, yeah, you know, you up. can't, you know.
0: So I was a little bit disappointed in that. So one thing they did when the tickets, I think I paid like 140 that's what you pay for a concert now, but they had, um, you could pay to go watch Soundcheck. Okay. So you could pay like, 350, mm. and you get to go and hang out when they're doing sound check. Mm. That's interesting, isn't it? Mm. I didn't do that because I'm tired. No. Yeah, I know. But so I got that, and then catch up, friends on the weekends. It's a very big week for me, John. Good. Lots of late nights. Yeah. <sighs> struggle. Struggle with the early mornings, but I'll persevere. Anyway, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Mendo. Trying hard. Transfer. Kia Kia. Car.